the following episode is actually a bonus episode masquerading as a normal episode that we created especially for April Fool's Day. Ooh. Please enjoy the following half hour of absolute nonsense and please don't hold it against us and join us for a proper episode coming soon. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Our Three Cents, a podcast celebrating the very finest video games. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I'm joined, as always, by two friends. Childhood one, Chris Dow. Stuffed up in the pipes. And my adulthood friend, Minty Booth. Stuffed up in the pipes. And we're discussing <laughs> our all-time top 100 video games. Announcement! Announcement! It's that time again. It's your weekly reminder about our Patreon page. In our continuing attempts to develop our podcast, expand it, create more content, and spread more joy in the video game sense, we've launched a Patreon page so that fans of the podcast can pledge their support in exchange for so many amazing perks, like social media shout-outs, custom artwork, the chance to record an episode with us, access to exclusive bonus content like some hilarious deleted scenes and our DLC pack special episodes if you don't want to miss out on any of that amazing stuff then head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash our three cents and pledge away this week we have our number 45s but before we do that it's time to take a little trip to quiz town population two Population, you two. Oh, okay. The score is currently 29-25 in favour of Chris. Here we go. Well, let's, yeah, let's see what happens next. In 2004, a big screen adaptation of the N64 game Perfect Dark was in development with which actress set to play Joanna Dark? Was it A, Gwyneth Paltrow, B, Shannon Elizabeth, C, Winona Ryder, or D, Beyonce. Beyonce. Correct answer is Beyonce. Well done, Minty. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There we go. So, uh, what have we been playing this week, Minty? So, I've been going back over some of the games in in my drawers, just pulling out ones at random and giving them a go, trying to see if there's any that I'd forgotten about or ones that I would enjoy playing again. And I'm really enjoying Paper Mario Sticker Star. Are you all right, Minty? Are you quite well? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, yeah. I, I haven't played it for a while, and I thought, do you know what? I just need something lighthearted and fun with a good story and a robust combat system, a good side quest game that I can really, you know really sink my teeth into and it's been incredibly rewarding actually oh, i mean this is also in a week where you've stabbed yourself in a hand right yes <laughs> well i'm glad i'm glad that you found uh found found something in your drawers yeah it's been really great um and maybe we'll hear a little bit about it later but i don't know maybe we'll find out coming up next so i i, I too was kind of pulling it a few loose ends because i've been waiting for animal crossing to come out uh, last week and I think I'd already mentioned I was trying to beat The Witcher 3 before then, and I was trying to do that, but I was just I was just so twitchy and restless waiting for Tom Nook to whisk me away. <laughs> I ended up sort of picking up and playing pretty much like every game that was sat on my Switch. I mean, mostly it was just booting them up to the title screen and then being like, actually, no, I don't want to play this. So <laughs> I did what I usually do, which was 
buy another game. Uh, <laughs> the only solution. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. I found myself just on the eShop and seeing what little games I could potentially play with the. I mean, literally just a couple of hours I had to wait for Animal Crossing. And I ended up finding a little indie game called Grasshopper Derby. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. It, yeah, it is. And I mean, it's a fairly straightforward racing game, sort of similar in setup to Micro Machines in that you're playing, well, you're racing as various, well, in this case, insects on racetracks constructed around the environment, like sort of like Micro Machines is. I've said before about how I'm a big, big fan of playing as like small characters in real world settings. So it certainly ticks that box. There's lots of different insects to choose from and they've all got like an individual quirk and like a power up, sort of like, you remember the, um, the super, weapons in Mario Kart Double Dash that all of the yeah. characters had yeah. but they were all themed to their genus so like the grasshoppers have like a big jump ability that you can use to like skip parts of the track or trample on other drivers and stuff the bees can sort of lay down honey and slow people down my favourite is the caterpillar who can transform temporarily into a butterfly for a speed boost that's, oh, that's really quite nice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> quite brilliantly it actually goes through its cocoon form every time it transitions so it's, it's quite nice mm-hmm. I was kind of hoping that the game was more of like a destruction derby type game where you're just smashing and decapitating other insects and ripping off their various legs but well maybe that's another game for another day Chris what, uh, what have you been playing whilst you've been waiting for Animal Crossing I've, I've played a bit of um, a new mobile game well I, I assume it's new I, I just saw it pop up in the app store called Seagull Officer oh yeah so it's, it's developed by a team called Venus Inc who we actually mentioned a little while ago like if you remember when we were playing a lot of the stuff on Apple Arcade yeah. And there, there was that puzzle game. I can't remember what it was called. It had, um, like, you were matching up the chains and the wheels. Do you remember the name of that? Uh, that's That was... Um uh, spoken mirrors, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, that was it. <laughs> That's and I mean, it. Yeah. I mean that, that was good title. that was pretty good. But I, I think Sea Officer is actually quite a lot better uh, as kind of like their next project. And and basically, you play either as a lawful seagull who's patrolling like the actions of other seagulls and has to kind of chase them down if they commit any seagull felonies, or you play as like a seagull perp, as it were, where you spend your time trying to rack up points allocated to like misbehaviour, like pooping on small children's heads or wrangling bags of chips out of old deer's hands all the time like avoiding the the titular seagull officer oh. and it's it's really stupid like it's it's kind of quite fun it's got a very british sense of humor similar sort of vein to like untitled goose game yeah it does in a way and i mean it's got a strange arcadey twist on like the sort of cops and robbers formula of something like the old grand theft autos it is played from like a top-down perspective so it's not too dissimilar to kind of early games in that series bird's eye view even oh it is it is yeah. but yeah it controls really well on a touch screen uh, and you basically you, you draw like a path for your seagull to fly along with your finger similar to did you ever play um, flight control on, on oh, iOS yes. yeah 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 that was one of the early ones wasn't it yeah you're either drawing lines to obviously avoid getting caught or, or you're drawing lines to kind of like uh, actually catch the, the the bird crooks as it were but yeah it's, it's a really stupid concept but I found it really enjoyable in small bursts and it's it's only a couple quid so I, I think it's worth a shot if anyone wants to play something a little bit different on their iPhone mm. nice I'm just having a look at it now actually it does look quite it's, it's got it's got quite a nice sort of graphical style as well which is yeah it's cute yeah I wonder whether or not they developed it like after Untitled Goose Game became a hit and then were like because it's got a similar sort of style to that as well so it does it's, like, it's maybe, almost maybe like they were like oh let's capitalise on naughty birds <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's almost flat colours isn't it it's got that kind of same um, yeah. base, basic shading yeah nice shall we move on to the rankings mm. let's do let's it let's do it this week starting with my game go ah. on Jonathan Dunn so my 
45th favourite video game is another of the very rare PC games that are on my list. Ooh. A Steam company with Thief Thief 3 and probably some more Thief later? Maybe, maybe. Is it just Thief? Are we on Thief 2 now? Are we hitting the Golden Thief? The Golden Thief. <laughs> it's like Jason and the Argonauts with a lisp. <laughs> no, but this is actually also a sequel game, although the original is not on my list, okay. uh, despite it also being, to be fair, a very good game. This is an action-adventure fantasy RPG of the very highest order. It is Ancient Kingdom 2, The Fire of Old Legends. Oh, wow. I know nothing about it. Well, for your benefit, Chris, and for those of you listening who haven't played the game, you play as Bard, the hero from the first game, who is a warrior in the nicely ambiguous, in inverted commas, ancient times uh, which is <laughs> it's, it's quite cunning from like a design perspective as it, it meshes together elements of like so many great ancient cultures and stuff so there's bits of like ancient Greek and Roman uh, some Egyptian some medieval stuff some like Norse stuff I mean there's lots going on all of it terribly anachronistic but all <laughs> I mean just very epic so the story of Fire of Old Legends takes on I mean pretty much where you left off in the first game Bard and his band of followers are seeking to take back their throne of their conquered kingdom from this evil sorcerer, quite brilliantly named Wizenplatt, no relation, <laughs> and you fight your way through the armies of darkness, reclaiming settlements as you go, uh, and, and that sees you restore your power until you can finally overthrow Wizenplatt and his dark army of obsidian soldiers and uh, restore peace to the realm. Now, there are a lot of adjectives that I love in that description, so <laughs> it's no wonder that I I mean I just had a brilliant time playing this game I'll start off by talking about the writing which is I mean surprisingly excellent given it's admittedly fairly cliched setup the dialogue in particular between Bard and his gang is is brilliant so in the first game, you recruited members of your gang from each of the different tribes around the kingdom. So you've got, well, you've got the actual Greek warrior, Heracles. You've got this like, Egyptian wizard who's supposedly the son of Ra. And you've got an alchemist from the Dark Ages. And I mean, the banter between the, the I mean, them is, is brilliant. It's, it's, it's probably not that great in terms of like cultural appropriation <laughs> and political correctness, looking back on it. But, I mean, they were all kind of raging stereotypes of these cultures and delivering on all of the fr- that you might get if, say, I don't know, I tried to drum up a conversation about spreadsheets in a dive bar in the deep south. <laughs> but it, it, but it, but it was, it is quite funny. As uh, <laughs> good cast of voice actors as well. Jonathan Price, I mean, presumably trying to pay for a divorce or something, put in a great shift as the alchemist. So you've got this like fairly well balanced setup in your group with like your tank, your healer, your magic user, and then Bard himself uh, kind of being the the main damager. And the real time action fighting mechanics worked, I mean, really well. There was, I mean, a noticeable step up in terms of AI from the first game. So whilst you can swap between controlling your party members, uh, a la three dirty dwarves, was that it? Three dirty dwarves. It was, yeah, on the Saturn, yeah. This time, like your gang, kind of take care of themselves, pretty much like allowing you to focus on whoever you're controlling at that time. But where the game like really steps things up above other like fantasy action adventure games is in the wider strategy mechanics. So. 
every time you reclaim a settlement or a city, you start to shift the power struggle between you and the dark forces, and it sort of moves back into your favour slowly. Uh, but if you don't set up suitable commands and politics in these places, then they can easily fall apart again, uh, and 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 the enemy will reclaim them. So there's a lot of like uh, resource management that goes into the game as well, and you've got this like slow tension building, focused kind of on wherever you are at that time and I mean it's not too dissimilar in a way to how like Dynasty Warriors games are set up yeah. so that you have to you you claim like a fort and then you need to retain it but then it's got this yeah it's got this real nice slow build pace to the to the game rather than that sort of like arcadey nature but this brings me on to like the thing that I mean the thing it blows my mind about a lot of modern video games especially is how well balanced games can be when there are so many layers of mechanics involved like how do you make sure it's not too easy or too hard and that you sort of progress at the right pace and uh, this is something that this game does really really well because you've got these layers but that's not all there's so much else going on in the game so try adding these things into the mix there's online functionality, which allows you to sort of link up and play with your friends or total strangers, sort of not in a dissimilar way to something like Dark Souls, but you also have the ability to capture another player online and hold them ransom, which, I mean, literally stops them from being able to play the game on their own until, like, the terms are settled. Whoa. <laughs> There's a real-world marketplace that you can use to buy slaves. There's a whole side quest that sees you trying to establish a democratic society on Mount Olympus that then also impacts how, like, the gods intervene in your quest there's a mini game where there's a sort of side quest mini game setup where you form a medieval rock band and try and top the charts in each of the cultures there's also like side quests that include the full 12 labors of heracles which see you gain up to like 12 ridiculously overpowered abilities such as like being able to turn into the nemean lion sprouting more heads to cast multiple spells after you defeat the hydra being able to summon the excrement of the cattle from the stables of king orgius gaining the power of the amazons after stealing the girdle of hippolyte which allows you to turn an enemy uh, into the amazon river i mean like i said it's ridiculous that the game is as well balanced as it is but i mean obviously clearly it is a lot of fun before i finish it's worth giving a shout out to the composer rusty buckthorn who fair play to him he really wanted to pay homage to as many different musical cultures as he could with the score which includes this one city theme which is played in the gamelan style entirely on an actual indonesian metallophone cool um, so yeah, fair play, fair play. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's certainly an eclectic game, but it is an incredibly enjoyable one at that. Ancient Kingdom Two: The Fire of Old Legends is my forty fifth favorite video game of all time. Great stuff. Is it, do you know if it's still like how how old was it? Is it easy to access on Steam and stuff these days? I don't know if it is on Steam because it was quite a niche game. Well, not a niche game, but it sort of had a bit of a cult following. It's probably available on like GOG.com, I think maybe. I mean, the game's probably, I don't know, I played it in uni, so uh, probably, yeah, 10, 11, 12 years old, but but it, it, it didn't sort of get released on consoles, so it sort of stayed fairly obscure. So if you're a PC gamer, definitely see if you can you can hunt it down and, and, and check it out. Who knows? We might get a third game at some point. You never know. You never know. They might come back out of obscurity and, and reboot it, a la God of War or something. Oh, yeah. They'll give the bard a beard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big beard. Beardy bard. Yeah, big beard bard. <laughs> Moving on, we have 
Minty, Minty, can you please tell us about your 45th favourite video game of all time, please? Sure can, yes. So, interesting that you had a PC game for number 45, because uh, mine is also a PC game. Ah! And that's kind of where the similarities end, really, because (laughs) whereas yours was kind of a big, expansive, mythological romp, mine is a very, I wouldn't say humble, but it's a very small, very quick... um, It's one of those games where you type stuff in to do stuff like text adventures oh yeah. yes yeah. yeah so it's it's one of those from way back when it's a survival horror game basically Ooh. but then it it's also educational it's also got like a, a resource management uh, vein running through it multiple endings so even though a playthrough will take you like not a huge amount of time at all really there's that kind of drive to keep playing it over and over again to like complete the whole game like as much as you can it is the 2009 survival horror game, Don't Shit Your Pants. <laughs> oh, man, I haven't thought about that game in a long time. That's ridiculous. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, proper cult classic. So you're just, you're basically just controlling this guy who who starts off with just like having a little bit of a rumbly in his tumbly and you're standing outside of a bathroom and it's like uh, you, you feel a rumble there is a door here and then you have to be so precise in what you type because you know if you if you try and push the door it'll say the door won't open you push the door hard then you get a game over because you push too hard and you shit yourself. (laughs) So you have to pull the door, you have to sit on the toilet, and then you can type shit. But then you get a game over because you didn't uh, pull your trousers down. Um, (laughs) Another one of the endings is uh, if you just type die, you die. Oh. But here's where that educational side comes in because your bowels loosen and you shit your pants anyway. So if you pull your pants down and then die, Uh. you technically win. And the game is even like, well, I don't know if this counts, but kind of. It does get the heart thumping because you are on a timer. If you just do nothing, then after you know, after so long, you do end up shitting yourself. <laughs> so it's just trying to find the exact words that you need to type to get on the toilet and start pooping so that you can uh, get the title Shit King. <laughs> it really resonated with me when I played it. It was a good sort of 10 years ago now much like your game and it was just like i'd been playing games like uh you know like zelda and i'd started getting into jrpgs and all the rest of it and i was just like oh well this is what video games need to be they need to be expansive they need to be uh, very serious and have at least one fellow with a sword and then this little game comes along and it was just a game where you have to get somebody not to shit themselves <laughs> but it was just it was really well thought out and it really challenged what i thought a video game was yeah it's very much a similar sort of vein to something that ed mcmillan would do to be fair oh absolutely yes yes it was the sort of thing where do you remember when like me and you were in year seven chris and someone would come yeah. in with a floppy disk and be like oh my god i've got this new uh this new which we didn't have a word for it then, but it'd be like a meme and it'd be like a little animation of somebody <laughs> trying to poo so hard their head blew up. Do you remember that? that what round? was that called? What was that called? That animation? Because yeah, it did the rounds on every floppy disk. All I remember is after his head blows up, the shit still flies and falls in the toilet. Yes, that's right. <laughs> it was the sort of thing like that, where it was sort of like an apocryphal game. Yeah. And I remember seeing somebody, I remember seeing, I think it was probably like somebody who was in my halls at uni playing it and just being like, 
this is ridiculous. But then, like you said, Minty, because there are so many different endings to it, there was a, a, like a surprising amount of depth to it. And to be like, you'd always, you want to keep on kind of exploring uh, to find out what more they'd actually put in the game. Because mm. you thought, they won't have put this in. They won't have put this in. They, they won't have a scenario that plays out for if you manage to get onto the roof and, and sit on the chimney. But uh, I think that was one of them. And you just see like a game over screen just with Santa with a poo on his head. <laughs> <laughs> Which, um, and, and I reckon now if you did like some research into it you'd still be able to find like about I don't know a dozen endings that you'd never even seen despite having you know really rinsed it gosh I mean I haven't thought about that game well since you need to be fair but yeah fair play I mean you pr- probably put more hours into that than you did to most games yeah I think so yeah yeah it's one of those ones that just keeps bringing you back and bringing you back like oh if you pardon the expression, it's a game that repeats on you. <laughs> <laughs> so, lastly, but not leastly, we have Mr. Dow. Chris, can you please tell us about your 45th favourite video game? Yeah. I mean, we, we always say these games are like eclectic trios, but I think today this could be the widest we've had yet. Possibly, yeah. <laughs> like it, it, <laughs> I mean, this is this is not on the PC, so it's different to, to your two entries. We're going back to the Mega Drive. Of course. And I mean, I, I feel like I've been getting the shakes and the jitters as a result of, you know, I haven't talked about the Mega Drive properly in almost half a year since the last numbered entry. No. Because it was up in the 60s. It really been that long? It was up in the 60s. God. So, yeah, long time. But yeah, the, the Mega Drive, I've mentioned loads of times, it was defined by things like its arcade conversions, because at the time it had like a snappy, fast processor. But more relevant today, I think the Mega Drive and the and the SNES as well were, were defined by the mascot platformer. Yeah. So, you know, the Mega Drive had Sonic, it had, to a lesser extent, it had Alex Kidd, and they were kind of like the poster kids for, for Sega's mascots. Yeah. But pretty much every developer at the time at least tried their hand at sort of a platform game that centered around some sort of mascot style character with, with that eye to kind of having a franchise in the works so on the Mega Drive like I remember playing Bubba and Barga I remember playing Rolo to the Rescue I remember playing Minnie the Mimp I remember playing Haystack the Mountain Kid I remember Kid Chameleon I remember Space Cowboy I remember Ghoul Boy like the list goes on and on and on and whilst most of these were like C tier games at best there's, there's one that stood out like beyond Sonic and everything like that to me and it was my 45th favourite video game Checky the Bear uh... oh. by all accounts like Checky the Bear it's a pretty standard platform game in its mechanics but it, it stands out because of how it subverts quite a lot of like the common tropes of the era and in some ways there's bits that this game did that nothing has really done since so to start off rather than it kind of being like a damsel in distress sort of common trope as being like the, the paper thin plot Checky just wants to get home so you start far away from home by the end of the game hopefully you have got home and I mean so far that's essentially like Conquer's Bad Fur Day is like that for anyone that played that it's you know Conquer is drunk he wants to get home that's that's the whole setup really but in this game checky the twist is that in each stage you you accidentally solve someone's plight so for example like the first stage is set in like a woodland area you kind of walk along you hop along platforms all the usual stuff avoiding enemies and and whatnot and then you walk along a bridge that collapses that you assume is just like a normal kind of like platform mechanic but later on when you finish the stage you you find out that there's like a little mini cinematic that the bridge posts have fallen down they divert water to like a dry arid area and in turn they help a bunch of cutesy little animal characters like now have these flourishing crops in as if they're like little prospectors Aww. so it's, it's kind of it's, it's very strange because checky is always unaware of how he's helped these people so you see kind of a sense you walk out the frame of the stage and then the camera will pan down to show you what you've triggered and it sets him up he's a very odd character because he's 
uncaring and selfish essentially you just want to get home that's his sole motivation but in turn you're you're a totally selfless character that is helping all these other people in the world and when I was young like I, I liked the playful animations that played at the end of the stages and I never really thought about the idea of like the implication of having a good character who was totally unaware that they were good and and that kind of setup I don't, I don't think I've seen anything else because it kind of operates on a separate layer to what the character is doing. And I mean, as, as a kid, I actually found lots of it quite frustrating because you take damage upon contact with any enemies, but you have no means of dispatching them yourselves, presumably because that would sully the good name of, of Checky sort of thing, whether he realizes it or not. Yeah. And, and all you can do to get rid of enemies, there are a few power-ups you can get on each stage that will kind of like clear the screen of hazards that almost work like the special attacks in the first Streets of Rage. Oh, yeah. But here they're connected to like non-violent actions. So again, going back to the woodland area as an example, the first stage, you can trigger like a special that has a wall run on the screen your character gets toppled over and then it basically just chases off the other creatures yeah so that when you stand up again you you're sort of dazed for a few seconds then your path is is clear so it's kind of a, a neat way of, of still letting you kind of make progress and using it to, to help you out if you're stuck but at the same time you don't have to kill anything there's, there's kind of no violent actions from your character it's just such a weird game like i'm sure it sold terribly <laughs> like th this is another example that when i was a kid like echo the dolphin that i mentioned back in one of our specials i got it at a car boot sale so i have no retail experience of like i had no box no manual it was just the cartridge so all i had was this picture of just a bear wearing a fez on the front and, th and, th and that was a hit reading up on it in, in preparation for this episode it's it's apparently based on an 80s cartoon that was popular in europe and never had any impact in the uk and I thought, like, that's, that's an odd choice for a licensed game. But then thinking about it, like, similar happened with Lucky Luke, if you remember that franchise. Oh, yeah. That was really big in France and basically unknown in the UK. And, and yet we had a huge suite of games across home consoles and handhelds, I think, because one of our friends had it on the Game Boy Color, I think, from memory. Yeah. And another one, Mayor the Bee, was another one that was big in Germany, oh, yeah. but totally unknown in the UK, really, yeah. and, and yet has a few games. So I guess maybe it was just the license was cheap and, you know, the, the team that developed it picked it up and, and there you go. So basically, yeah, it's, it's a Mega Drive game that I think is still without peer, really, in terms of it having this really odd setup, odd motivation, just odd way of playing. So Checky the Bear, as, as this unique Mega Drive title, is my number 45. I mean, obviously, I mean, I, like I said, I, I, I've never heard of it. It's uh, obscure, even for those people who did play games in the 16-bit era. But yeah, it, it's, it sounds really, really interesting. It's like you said, it's got that sort of, the, the character's got this sort of moral ambiguity almost, yeah. that like, it's like a real anomaly. And I think that so few developers or writers, even in this day and age, uh, you know, don't really like to tackle those sort of ideas because it's, you you know, the, like the idea of an anti-hero, mm. almost an agent of chaos, you know, is something that's that can be quite risky. It's quite hard to sell. Well, clearly, I mean, goodness <laughs> knows where the developer of Checky the Bear is is these days. I don't, I don't know where he'd fall on like the the chaos neutral grid thing. What's that called? That grid? The alignment chart. That's it. The alignment, the alignment yeah. chart. Because because I think Checky would be chaotic good. Okay. Because things are just just happening without his kind of awareness. Maybe that's neutral. Maybe that's the epitome of neutral. Oh, I suppose yeah. Maybe it is a neutral good. And because like you said, he's actually quite he's quite selfish, but he's not being mean. So maybe he is true neutral. Yeah. I mean, where would he fit into the good place? <laughs> well, yeah. Goodness knows. Goodness knows. <laughs> So there we have it. Another three games. As Chris said, a very eclectic trio this week. First of all, we had Ancient Kingdom 2, Fire of Old Legends. 
And then we had... Don't shit your pants. Before finally... Checky the bear. If you've enjoyed this episode, or if indeed you've enjoyed any of our episodes, please do leave us a review. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Like it, share it on social media, tell your friends. If you want to reach out to us, you can do that. You can regale us with your favourite games of all time you can chat to us about these games that you may well have enjoyed yourself we'd love to hear from you you can find us on Facebook if you go to facebook.com forward slash our three cents or you can reach out to us individually you can find me on Twitter at Jonathan Dunn you can find me at Chaz underscore Hodges and I'm Clement underscore Boo huge shout out to our Patreon subscribers Gene Limbrick Andy Smith Debbie Booth and CJ Anderson if you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to become a Patreon like them you can enjoy some amazing perks head on over to patreon.com forward slash our three cents and please do pledge us your support and please do join us next time for our 44th favorite video games of all time there's an old saying in tennessee i know it's in texas probably in tennessee that says fool me once shame on shame on you if fool me we can't get fooled again